0: Hey there, this is Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. I am Shanda Sung, and I'm a comedian.
1: And I'm Ashley Morgan, and I'm a farmer.
0: We have been best friends
1: since we were nine years old. Welcome to our show, where we teach each other all kinds of things that cover our wide range of knowledge and interests.
0: And today's episode is about space. Ooh, the vastness of space. Yeah, we're going to sound really smart in this episode. I I can feel it coming.
1: And I'm also going to sound very sexy because I have had a head cold for the past week. And so my voice is still very gruff.
0: We're back to NPR after dark.
1: Yeah. It's we your really, turn this
0: time. really
1: are. I wish I had this voice during our, our sexy sex episode. That would have made it all the better to talk about yeah. animal penises. But, you know, if Neil deGrasse Tyson can make space sexy, so can I.
0: <laughs> is, is that what he's putting off? Is it sexiness? Because I'm not sure.
1: I think so. I don't know what y'all are looking at, but I I like what I'm looking at.
0: I mean, I enjoy a wacky tie, but do I enjoy it that much? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I did. I dressed for the occasion. You may notice I am in my my fuzzy robe that has stars on it.
1: Oh. As
0: opposed to my regular purple fuzzy robe or Josh's black fuzzy robe that I like to wear.
1: (laughs) Mm. Yeah, you're really getting into it. Yeah. (laughs) Space theme. I suppose I am uh, pseudo dressed for the occasion. The room that I'm sitting in is hot and stuffy and I'm sweating my ass off like I'm sitting on the surface of the sun. So, (laughs) I mean, I guess a theme, a theme continues on.
0: (laughs) Rural Ohio and deep space are essentially the same place.
1: Well, more astronauts have come from Ohio than anywhere else. So there's something about Ohio that makes people want to leave the planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I could see that. <laughs> I feel like a lot of astronauts have come from the Midwest, just in general, because they're a handful from Indiana. I'm getting in over my head because I'm just thinking off the top of my head, and I may be completely wrong. Okay, name one. Gus Grissom.
1: Oh, okay. I don't there's know. a museum
0: I can't... for him. I've been to it. Is John Glenn from Indiana?
1: No, I think he's no. Ohio. <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice damn it, though. you got John Glenn. <laughs> we got that guy. <laughs> well, we've got Gus, and that's all we really need. <laughs> of course a guy named Gus is from Indiana. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> yeah. I was a little space-inclined in my youth, I would say. We used to fire off rockets, these toy rockets, in the backyard, decorate mm. them and fire them off. I don't know if you remember us doing that. Had a little launch pad. I've been thinking about getting those for the kids, but it involves a lot of climbing trees to fetch them out of there because they <laughs> were just expensive enough to not want to just leave them.
1: <laughs> yeah, your kids are climby little monkeys. Get them up there.
0: That's true. They do climb a lot. We were <laughs> we were at my grandma's and they climbed up in a tree and my grandma and my uncle were like they got to get down. They got to get down. Go help them down. And I was like they'll jump. It's fine. They've been to the Josh Sung School of Distributing Energy (laughs) upon landing. (laughs) Because he taught them you jump and you roll and roll out of it. And they do it because they're maniacs.
1: Last time we went to your house, as we were pulling away, like half of your children were on the roof. (laughs) And we were like, like, okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're pulling away. I hope they're going to be okay. (laughs) It's a
0: one story house. (laughs) Yeah. It runs on the family. We used to hang out on your roof all the time.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: It was a good time up there.
1: Yeah. I used to climb trees. That's how I always won tag at hide and seek is that shimmy up a tree and no one could get me.
0: (laughs) That reminds me of one year they had a festival down at the community center that was behind our houses. Mm -hmm. And one of the activities was they greased the flagpole Mm -hmm. and you had to try to climb up the top of this. And if you got to the top, you won some big, fabulous prize. And they made it a big, fabulous prize because they knew nobody would be able to do it. And I was like, it's me. This is my time to shine. I'm doing this. But what I didn't realize was that they used axle grease and I was wearing a nice outfit. Oh, no. And I got covered in it and I came home and my mom was like, what did you do? Oh, no. I was like, you can't wash this out? Oh, all right. Well, there goes this cute matching outfit.
1: Probably the only one you had. Yeah. Throughout your entire childhood. Yeah. Wow, this was
0: a, a nice intro into space. <laughs> we seem to have gotten off topic. Uh, always. Yeah. We did a thing in sixth grade that was cool. I don't know if you remember, We the whole class did a mock launch, shuttle launch, and we did it. It was a NASA affiliated program and they really hyped it up like we're going to launch a space shuttle (laughs) and people got assigned jobs and you had to learn about the job that you had. And it was very awesome. And I was super pumped about it. I'm like, we're launching a space shuttle. I didn't hear the word mock, I guess. Uh And so we go and I'm like, they're going to we're going down to Florida We're we're launching a space shuttle. We just sat in our classroom and read a script and listened to some canned sound effects of a space shuttle launch. And it was cool, but they oversold it for me personally.
1: I do not remember this, but I hope it went better than the Challenger. (laughs) <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> too soon? Uh, Please, maybe. Sorry. Yikes. <laughs> my bad.
0: It was considerably less climactic. We we're like, well, we did this thing. We just all read our lines, so that was fun. All
1: right, class, you did it. Now go to eat your lunch.
0: Aww. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, can we have some astronaut ice cream at least? No. <laughs> go eat Salisbury steak.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. So, you know, that uh, space trips me out and it involves a lot more math than yeah. I ever bargained for. And that's not my jam.
1: Me, too. The space does kind of trip me out. I I mean, I was always like staring at the sky as a kid and but I never really learned constellations beyond the basics. Right. And I always liked it. And I always liked when you could see the the Milky Way every now and then. I love the stars. And I'll tell you what, I, they, we still have enough light pollution where we grew up, even though we were out of the city, we were in a small town. Our town itself didn't have any light pollution, but you know, still probably Fort Wayne light pollution bled through. And so you could still see stars, but not as many.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I did not really understand just how many stars there were until I was a flight attendant and oh. we had to reposition an airplane from... Salt Lake City. I think we were taking it back to Indianapolis and it was late night out in the West, no light pollution, no cities. We're cruising at 35,000 feet and I was looking out the window. There were so many stars. I can't even explain it to you. Just imagine the most stars you've ever seen and like quadruple it. It blew my mind because yeah. I was like, what is all this? Where'd all these things come from? Is this how many stars there really are? Because <laughs> <what? laughs> I've been lied to my entire life that there were only, you know, these many millions of stars. There's billions of stars. Like, this is yeah. insane. It, That's it blew my mind. wild to
0: think about. Yeah. That there's just so much that you're not seeing that would be right in front of you if it wasn't for light pollution. I just read a book about the national parks, and there are a few of them that have certified dark space. Mm -hmm. And that the amount of that is shrinking by the day. But Mm. there are a couple of the national parks where you can go at night and there is no light pollution and you can see that. So I would love to do that. That would be really cool. Have you ever been to an observatory? No, I haven't either. There's a little one here at IU that I guess you can go to and they have events occasionally, but I've never done it. I know where it is. I don't know a whole lot about it. I, I guess I don't know if it's really very functional, but it it would be really cool to go to a big one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Field trip. Yep. <laughs> Road trip. Add it to our list of places to go to. Find a famous observatory, big famous one, and we'll add it to, uh, where were we going? We were going to Oklahoma to see Oklahoma. the RB Eagle. We're going to Iowa to see the American Gothic House. We're going to see something in North Dakota, but I don't remember now. We'll figure it out when we get there. Yeah and now put it, it on the tri- board. Yeah. Who's <laughs> <laughs> keeping it, track at home. put it up on
0: the board. Yeah. Well, you talking about being surprised by the number of stars there were is a perfect elegant segue into what I'm going to talk about.
1: Like I knew what I was doing.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. So, yeah, I'm going to get started. I'm going to talk about the Hubble Space Telescope and specifically Hubble Deep Field. <laughs> I don't think that's the right sound effect.
1: You you never have the right sound effect. I
0: really don't.
1: I'm as bad, I'm
0: as bad at sound effects as I am at impressions, which is bad. Terrible. <laughs> I remember when we were in an improv group in high school, I was supposed to do an impression of John Wayne and I did Clint Eastwood. <laughs> and then everybody on stage just tore me up about it and they got great laughs.
1: Yes. We used to, yeah, as part of our improv thing, we would just, like, throw you to the wolves. Like, hey, do impressions. <laughs> You're terrible at them. It'll be hilarious watching you just set yourself on fire. And I'll
0: fall on that sword. Yeah. I'll fall on that sword all day.
1: We humiliate ourselves for laughs.
0: laughs. Oh, am yeah. Well... We're going to talk about the Hubble Space Telescope. I'd heard of it. Of course, it's a very big piece of equipment that NASA uses, but it was in my periphery, as most of these things are, before mm-hmm. I start talking about them. So just a real quick primer on that. The Hubble Space Telescope was launched into low Earth orbit on April 24th in 1990, and it was a huge, huge project. It cost $4.7 billion, with a B in 1990.
1: So... so
0: that's like $10 billion now. Dang. There's a whole lot of cheddar. <laughs> and uh, it's named after a 1900s astronomer named Edwin Hubble who invented the first telescopes. So, aptly named. Hmm. And it was launched and, you know, NASA really hyped it. We're going to be able to see things that we've never seen before, get really clear pictures of deep space. And then the pictures started coming back and they were blurry. Aww. And people just ripped them apart for it. You spent all this money to get blurry pictures. And so NASA sort of scrambled to fix the problem. They realized the mirror in it was not concave to the right degree. It was just a little bit off. A teeny tiny little bit off. And Galileo was turning over in his grave. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so it would have cost way too much money to bring this thing back to Earth to fix this and relaunch it. So NASA, doing what NASA does, figured out a way to fix it on the fly. And so what they did was they figured out exactly how flawed it was. And then they made another mirror to fit on top of it to correct the flaw like glasses. They gave the telescope glasses, (laughs) which is precious. So that's what they did. They launched this up and then they had to grab the telescope and drag it into the cargo bay of the space shuttle Endeavor so they could work on it. So they just snatched it out of orbit, pulled it onto the spaceship, slapped some glasses on it, and threw it back into space. And the way I just described that is probably an affront to everyone who worked on that project because
1: it's a gross oversimplification. And it still cost them billions of dollars to put (laughs) glasses on their telescope. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. In the years since, they made changes to them. They did more sophisticated fixes. And so it's working very well and still working right now. It's got about a 10-year shelf life left on it, this telescope, and it's been going since, yeah, 1990. So a pretty excellent piece of equipment. Especially considering that it was a PR nightmare in the beginning. One of the Naked Gun movies listed it next to the Titanic and the Hindenburg. Oh, no. An epic disaster. (laughs) And they're like, we got to get some glasses on this thing. And (laughs) we can't have NASA's reputation tarnished by a nearsighted telescope. (laughs) So, yeah, they got it fixed and then they got to work doing good things with it. The focus of what I want to tell you about starts in 1995. This guy, Bob Williams, was the director of the Space Telescope Science Institute, which was the institute that was in charge of the Hubble telescope and Mm -hmm. figuring out what to use it for. And so Bob comes up to his team and he's like, all right, I would like to point the Hubble at nothing for 100 hours. And everybody was like, what? No. (laughs) Why? (laughs) They're like, no, this is a terrible idea. It's a waste of money and time in a time when we are trying to fix the PR problem that is this telescope. (laughs) And we can't explain to the public that we're going to look at nothing for 100 hours and spend a whole bunch of money doing that. And he was like, yeah, well... I hear what you're saying, but trust me on this. And also, you don't have to trust me on it because I'm the director. And as the director, I am allocated 10 percent of the telescope's time for my own
1: personal disposal, is how it was (laughs) listed, which is hilarious. So if I want to spend my time staring into space, I absolutely will. Thank you very much. (laughs)
0: Yeah. If I want to point this thing at my ex-girlfriend's house, I will do it because I'm in charge. (laughs) Uh, Which I'm sure was not the attitude. By all accounts, this is a very chill dude. (laughs) But yeah. So he was like, hey, I want to do this. And they were like, that's a bad idea. And he was like, yeah, well, I'm going to do it anyway because I can. (laughs) So get with the program. (laughs) And so that's what he did. It was 100 hours, which translates to a billion light years is how long he wanted to look at this small speck of space, a patch of sky that was near the Big Dipper, kind of near the handle, and the space they were looking at was about 1 of the size of a full moon. So a pretty teeny little mm. spot. Mm-hmm. And over the time that it was focused on it, which was in December of 1995, it took 342 pictures And they took those pictures, they assembled them together, they did some colorization according to the type of light that was coming in, and they created this picture, and it showed more than 3,000 galaxies. Wow. So in looking at nothing, it found this insanely rich number of galaxies in varying ages, which is what's trippy about this because... (laughs) When you're looking that far and that long and dealing with light years, it's not just a picture. It is time travel Mm -hmm. because the light that is coming into the telescope has had to travel for billions of years to be visible by this telescope. And so, looking at this picture is looking at what these galaxies look like when that light initially left them to come to us. So it's a picture of the past. This is what this looks like, some of them 10 billion years old, these
1: galaxies. I saw a thing that said if aliens in distant galaxies are looking at Earth through a telescope, they're seeing dinosaurs. Yeah. Because they're not seeing present day. They're seeing millions of years ago because that's how long it takes light to travel across the vastness of space. And that's kind of trippy to me.
0: Yes, it is. It's saying we're getting a glimpse at these that are so faint that we know that they are so old that the light that we're seeing that's coming to us, that is from within one billion years of the beginning of the universe itself which is wild and way, way, way older than
1: anything that they had seen previously. My tiny monkey brain cannot wrap around that. (laughs) I know. I know.
0: (laughs) Mine. um, Yeah, mine can't either. And there's so much more to this technically that I'm sure is very interesting and just hard for me to grasp. Oh, yeah. But you can see this picture. It went around on the Internet and it's so cool because it looks like what an artist rendering would be of here are a bunch of galaxies it looks like the scene (laughs) it looks like the scene in men in black when they zoom out (laughs) on the galaxy and there are all the other galaxies and marbles that aliens are playing marbles with that's what it looks like just a bunch of tiny galaxies and it's so mind-blowing and some of them are intricately shaped you know they're swirling like the milky way or they're smaller and rounder and the way that they're able to perceive this light and use infrared light to look at it and discover the the light waves and how they're using it can help them understand how exactly these galaxies are formed and in what order it makes these stars first in these positions and that expands from these ways. It really was a huge, huge discovery. That's cool as shit. All out of this guy saying, I want to look at nothing for a while. And people were like, what a complete waste of time.
1: And it was not at all that. If I were that guy and all this really cool stuff came back after that fight, that initial pushback, I would have become an absolute ego monster. (laughs) I I would have been like, I told you bitches, I wanted to see what was there. I knew there was something there. So suck it. I am awesome. Look at all this (laughs) 3,000 galaxies I discovered. You're welcome. I'm always right. (laughs) It's job security for you NASA a-holes.
0: Yeah. And... uh... It it was such a wild discovery. And the number, even just looking at that small patch of sky, it increased the estimated number of total galaxies by five to they estimate about 50 billion galaxies in oh the universe. Yeah. <sighs> and that was a huge jump because they were like, well, shit, if there are that many in this tiny space, mm-hmm. then obviously extrapolate that and we've got 50 billion galaxies. Which is so wild. Between that and me accidentally watching the final episode of Loki, time means nothing to me. We're all just bumping around in this galaxy. Who knows what our multiple other selves are doing?
1: <laughs> Man. Oh, it's so crazy. So trippy. <laughs> yeah. Need to go back to our psychedelics episode. <laughs> I know. Start from there and (laughs) maybe have this conversation again, if you you catch what I mean. Yeah. Unless you're a cop, then you don't know what I mean. I don't mean anything. (laughs) Plausible deniability. I mean nothing.
0: I mean, listening to podcasts expands your brain.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. Listen to our (laughs) brain episode. That one, too.
0: I think it's the same one.
1: Oh, it was. My bad. (laughs) Do
0: you even listen to this show? (laughs) So so not only did Bob Williams just point this thing where he wanted to and do what he wanted to do with it, he was like, I'm going to take this a little bit further. And he got a hold of a couple telescopes, earthbound telescopes in Hawaii, and said, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm looking at this patch of sky at this time. Why don't you point your telescopes at that spot as well? And they did. And so they were able to use the information between their telescopes and Hubble and figure out ways to determine cosmological distances. Mm. So be able to measure a little more accurately. Mm -hmm. I'd love to tell you how, Mm. but I don't know. (laughs) But it worked. And so good on you, Bob. That was a good decision. (laughs) So so good, in fact, that uh, he got some awards for that. He got the 1998 Beatrice M. Tinsley Prize. Sounds very fancy. (laughs) He also got the 1999 NASA Distinguished Public Service Medal, which is like uh, Employee of the Month, I think. (laughs) Employee of the Year. Employee of the Year. NASA Employee of the Year, you get a special parking spot and uh, first dibs in the cafeteria. (laughs) (laughs) All the astronaut ice cream you want.
1: (laughs) All right. What a good deal.
0: And then he took all of his ego and hubris and uh, I'm always rightitude. Mm And he, in 1996, a year later, he gave his personally discretional time to two teams, two competing teams using distant supernovas to determine the universal expansion rate. And they learned that the rate of expansion in the universe is accelerating because an of an unknown form of energy at the time. Mm. And that's a terrifying discovery that I'm not going to look into
1: further. Yes, indeed. That is, uh, yeah. No, thank you.
0: (laughs) But, you know, we're all just champagne supernova.
1: Oh, we are. Yeah. Someday you'll find me caught beneath the landslide in a champagne supernova in the sky. Speaking of psychedelics, when songs yeah. were written. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that
0: but that, uh, that discovery about accelerating expansion got those teams 2011 Nobel Prizes in physics. So Bob Williams, two for two.
1: All right. That guy.
0: Yeah, making good choices. And so they have they keep doing this with Hubble. They've done it a few different times. They did it at a different point in the sky, and they named that Hubble Deep Field South. They did it in 2004 and called it Hubble Ultra Deep Field.
1: Mm. And
0: then they did it in t- 2012. This makes me so happy. I don't even know if it's true, but <laughs> it says in 2012 they did the Hubble extreme
1: deep field
0: <laughs> and it's seriously lowercase e capital x lowercase oh t-r-e-m-e
1: it almost <laughs> sounds like uh like it's got a sponsor like a, does, extreme extreme energy drink <laughs> <laughs> I know.
0: so coming in 2021 the hubble doritos locos deep field <laughs> Hubble uh, Baja Blast Deep Field Telescope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it makes me so happy. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, Yeah, so it's really cool. Definitely Google it, and you can see the images if you haven't already. I mean, I remember them going around on the Internet when they first came out, and they looked so cool. And they even made NASA's website, the Hubble website, made a YouTube video that's 30 minutes long and you can watch it and it's hubble photographs that they've kind of put together into an animation of you zooming through space Mm. and they use way too intense
1: music Uh. it's
0: a bit much very (laughs) interesting but maybe turn the volume down on that (laughs) because i was watching it and i was like "Whoa, whoa 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 Why is my heart rate up to 150 I don't, right now? Oh, no, no, no. It's too much. It's too much. We shouldn't know this. We should not know this.
1: <laughs> I'm overstimulated.
0: I know. Yeah. But it's very, very cool. And I would be into getting a print of this for my living room. It looks that yeah. cool. And then when the petty problems of your daily life come up, you just take a look at that and say, who cares?
1: Yeah. You stare into the vastness of space and haven't. An- existential crisis <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah that'll help
1: you deal with your day-to-day issues yeah that's another recurring theme we have on our show is existential existential crisis. Crisis. <laughs> is that about our
0: show or is it that about us personally
1: i don't know a little hard bit hard to, to say, say. But,
0: so bob williams uh pretty cool dude making good decisions helping us learn a lot about space and the quote from him that i read at the end of an article was so perfect because he was just like, it turned out to be a neat image, really.
1: (laughs) So cool. So calm about it. Yeah.
0: That's like what your grandpa says after we take a family photo and everybody's looking at the camera. (laughs) Not about 3,000 galaxies, Bob. That you discovered.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
0: I, as a person, overuse the word awesome. I say it too much, but that... It's literally awesome. Yeah, so maybe step it up a little bit, Bob. And Bob Bob Williams
1: was just like, neato gang, way to go! Yeah, high five, aces, <laughs> <laughs> nice work! So yeah, yeah,
0: the Hubble Space Telescope, Hubble Deep Field Extreme. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Hubble had- Deep Field sponsored by Monster Energy." <laughs>
1: Check it out. Yeah, very cool. cool. Trippy stuff. Yeah, that is cool.
0: Yeah. I'm looking forward to what you got for me. So let's take a break, uh, listen to our sponsors, and then you can trip me out.
1: Eh, Mine's not as trippy, but. Good, because I need to chill. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and we're back. I am going to be talking about the moon, something a little closer to home. I
0: really want to do an impression of Will Ferrell as Harry Carey talking about the moon being made out of barbecue ribs because it's one of my favorite SNL characters ever. But as we previously discussed, (laughs) I am not good at impressions. But (laughs) if the moon were made out of barbecue ribs, would you eat it? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, That's about as good of an impression as we would have gotten had you even actually tried. Yeah,
0: that was me (laughs) trying. I tried real hard. Yeah, I (laughs) I don't
1: think so. Yeah. All right. Tell me about the moon. All right. Well, scientists think that the moon was created when an unknown something struck the earth about 95 million years ago. And the reason they think this is because the moon and the earth have a similar composition. And so this was obviously the earth before it was the luscious greenscape it is today. This was even before giant trees That have since been cut down by machines. So (laughs) we're talking about like molten, angry Earth. So they think that the moon is actually a tiny little baby Earth. A little baby Earth that shot off and stuck nearby, but just kind of died and hung there lifeless. So, (laughs) like like an Earth dingleberry. Yeah. (laughs) Aww. I don't think the moon would appreciate being called Earth's little dingleberry. (laughs) Well, the moon can find
0: me on Twitter and we'll fight about it. (laughs) You're a dingleberry.
1: Deal with it. (laughs) So that's the general idea of how they think the moon was created. But another theory that I thought was just adorable was they think that Earth stole the moon from Venus. (laughs) And when I heard this, the first thing that popped into my mind was... Venus was playing in the sandbox all by herself (laughs) with her little ball and having a great time. And Earth comes over, kicks sand in her face and takes her moon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a total Earth move.
1: Yeah, we would. We would totally (laughs) do that. But I think the general consensus is it came from Earth when a chunk of it broke off, when it got struck by space debris. The craters and impacts, the little pockmarks you see all over the moon... Mm -hmm. Very vividly in a lot of those pictures have been there for years, years and years and years and years of all that space debris flying through asteroids, meteors, whatever else, flying through and striking the moon. And the reason that all of that is still there and you can see it is because the atmosphere of the moon is so incredibly thin that there is no weather. There's no real wind. There's no wind or anything. It's just undisturbed. So if there's a boot print on the moon, if you think that happened, (laughs) conspiracy theory episode number two, (laughs) it's completely undisturbed because there's a very thin atmosphere. So there's no weather, any of that. Okay. And also because there's a thin atmosphere, there are huge temperature swings. So during the daylight hours... The temperature can get as high as 273 degrees or 134 degrees Celsius.
0: So as hot as it is in that room you're in right now? Yes,
1: (laughs) exactly. That's the basis. The room is not as hot as the moon. The moon gets as hot as this room. (laughs) And then at night, it can get down to minus 243 degrees or minus 153 degrees Celsius. So that's, wow, huge, that's huge swings. Yeah. Absolutely huge swings. The diameter of the moon is approximately 2,159 miles or 3,475 kilometers. I looked that up. That's the distance between LA and Charlotte, North Carolina. So essentially, wow, the width of the US is the diameter of the moon. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's that's smaller than I thought, I suppose.
1: Yeah, it's weird. I guess I never really thought about the size of the moon. Yeah. Relative to anything, but it's about the size of the U.S., Hmm. which is weird. It is bigger than Pluto, come to find out. (laughs) For those young people listening at home, Pluto used to be a planet. (laughs) But apparently because it's smaller than the moon, it got kicked out of the Union, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. It's weird because I think of it when you list the planets... Oh yeah. Mercury Venus Earth you, know, you add Pluto in there. Pluto's always still gonna be in there. It's yeah. weird to me to think that there's only eight planets now and people don't recite Pluto.
0: Not in they... my America. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Back in my day we had Pluto. <laughs> I guess I see why it got kicked out when our moon is bigger <laughs> than it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it kind of loses the prestige, I guess. I also read that in the time that it was discovered, classified a planet, and then decided not to be a planet, it still had not completed one orbit.
1: Well, yeah, because it's way the heck out there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's how long it takes to orbit the sun. Yeah. So maybe, you know, you're fine. Just do your own thing out there. Don't worry about it.
1: So what are they classifying it as? Because it still hangs out. I don't
0: know. Probably s- something silly like a diddly dwarf, baby dingleberry. I don't know. NASA <laughs> names everything some weird stuff.
1: Doritos we about <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah. Extreme deep space baby boodle. Like, I don't know. Those nerds, <laughs> they just make shit up. It's
1: It's just anarchy over there. It's
0: (laughs) is—it's ridiculous. Chaos.
1: They're like, well, we deal with chaos theory every day. (laughs) Naming things is going to be chaos as well. (laughs) Another fun fact about the moon. The average distance from Earth is about 239,000 miles, which is about 384,000 kilometers. That's... I don't know. I don't know how to gauge how far that is. It's I know. it's a long ways away. It seems really really yeah. far away. That number is important because as we know, the moon affects the tides here on earth, right? That's kind of a well-known right. thing. But also, which I didn't know this, the moon is also slowing earth's rotation it's lengthening days by 2.3 milliseconds per century. Okay, That seems to me like no time at all. It's gonna oh. take a real long time to show any significant yeah. lengthening of the day. Also, another thing that the moon affects on Earth is there's uh, there's an energy transfer because of the gravitational pull of each other, affects mm-hmm. each other. The moon is s- slowly moving further away. They're moving about 1.5 inches or 3.8 centimeters annually. So an inch and a half every year it is moving further away. Now that seems more significant. But here's the thing. The moon is the size of the U.S. Right. It's over 2,000 miles wide. It is over 239,000 miles away. Yeah, how can they calculate an <laughs> inch and a half annually moving further away? How, Lasers. How are they doing that math? <laughs> a
0: really long measuring tape. <laughs> uh,
1: <yeah. laughs> All right? How are they doing that? I don't know. That's a science I don't know that I Is will Vimas never know. Is Venus taking
0: her ball back? Is that Probably. what's happening?
1: <laughs> She's like, give me that. I'm taking that back.
0: That was mine and my mom says you need to give it back.
1: the reason why you see the same side of the moon because you know how you always see the same face yeah and it never changes you would think that you know it's rotating and you would see and people always say well the dark side of the moon the dark side of the moon gets light yeah the the moon is rotating it gets light the dark side of the moon i guess just means the part we haven't seen yeah because we're always seeing just that one side of the moon And the reason that we're only seeing that is because it rotates at the same rate as it orbits the Earth. So it is spinning slowly enough that as it rotates around the Earth, it's also the rotation of it on its axis makes it so the same face is always facing. Part of that rotation speed is because the moon is egg-shaped. It looks perfectly round to us. Right. But it's not a round ball. Yeah. It's actually egg-shaped. Weird. That bulbous side always stays towards us because of the gravity and all of that science crap that we don't <laughs> know is making it so it faces us. And that, I never th- really thought, I mean, I thought about it because I'm yeah. like, hey, I, you know, I always see the same same craters on the moon all the time. Yeah. I see that same dude's face and his hair is made of spaghetti and all that stuff.
0: <laughs> it's just doing like a dosi dough where, where we only ever see the one yeah. side. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and, you know, and the, the backside of it is egg shaped. So it's hiding its pointy end. I guess. It's I like, don't, don't look at that. That's where it gets it. weird. Yeah.
1: <laughs> or they're like, hey, you snatched me from Venus. I'm never turning my back on you again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're a shady bitch, and Y'all. I'm going to keep my eye on you. Which was a good call, probably. Yeah,
1: probably. Probably a good call.
0: Because, you know, what did we do? We landed on its face and left a bunch of junk
1: there. (laughs) Yep. Probably let out some uh, astronaut farts that are still lingering because there's no wind to (laughs) blow it away. (laughs) And the moon's like, you guys are a-holes. I've been smelling this fart since the 1960s. (laughs) It's just getting worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Never turning his back on us again. (laughs) So I have heard this term floating around the news lately called the moon wobble. Have you heard of that? No. I saw it on Facebook, I think once, and I was like, what in the world is that? And when I looked it up, I realized there's actually been quite a few articles written about the moon wobble. And so, of course, I had to look it up. What the heck is that? The moon wobble is actually a very common thing. It's essentially where it wobbles on its axis, in an 18.6-year cycle, and as it's shifting along its axis, about the halfway point, what it's doing is it's actually changing the way our tides are working. So at the 9.3-years mark, so halfway through its 18-year cycle, mm-hmm. there's a less variation. And that means low tides don't get as low as they could, and high tides don't get as high. So there's less variation between high and low tide. So the next high point of the cycle is going to actually come around mid 2030, the year okay. 2030. and what that means is it's going to be very high high tides and low low tides. So the variation between high and low tide is going to be pretty great. Hmm. Part of the reason why it's coming up, it's coming up in conjunction with climate change. Scientists and climatologists are worried that if sea levels keep rising, that hmm. high tide. When that's going to be too high. Too high. Yeah, exactly. And start flooding coastal cities. Yeah. So if sea levels keep rising at the rate that they think they're going to, you know, or or exponentially around 2030, when they know this moon wobble is coming back around for its 18 year cycle, that, yeah, that's going to be a rough year for, could potentially be a rough year for coastal cities.
0: Man, so you've got 10 years to sell that Key West house. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Before really.
0: it's a houseboat.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So apparently, and apparently low tides get pretty low, too, so yeah. it backs out quite a bit. Not scary tsunami back away, but... <laughs> yeah, enough to probably, uh, you know, it probably affects wildlife. And I'm sure. it's yeah. p- Potentially exposing parts that don't normally get exposed. That was kind of interesting and, uh, you know, mildly scary. I mean, I live pretty far inland, but it's not to say uh, that's not kind of an interesting and terrifying fact. Another fun fact is the various moon colors. You know how you've seen orange moons and pink moons and... Crimson moons? Crimson moons, yeah. (laughs) So all these different moon colors are not, not the moon itself. Changing mm-hmm. any sort of color or light on the moon—it's actually light waves filtering through our atmosphere, our very thick atmosphere, mm-hmm. <laughs> coupled with dust and smog and haze or whatever else happens to be hanging out in our atmosphere or you know in inside our Earth's atmosphere—will determine the color because it just um, it just matters what wavelength is filtering through to our eyeballs is what we see the color of the moon to be because the moon's like whitish gray. But yeah, you can see it in all sorts of colors like blue or pink or red or orange or all sorts of fun stuff. And I do like that you did bring up Crimson Moon, because (laughs) we named our farm after the blood moon eclipse. Yeah. Because that happened on September 28th, 2015, Mm -hmm. the night of the blood moon eclipse. And we signed the deed for this property the next day. And we got to thinking about, you know, months later about how we were, what were we going to name it? And we were like, well, could name it after that eclipse. And so we were coming up with things around the eclipse and nothing really fit. And then we were like, Blood Moon? We're like, ugh. That's do
0: we... a little intense. <laughs> yeah. Do we
1: really want to name our farm where we raise cute fuzzy animals Blood Moon?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. It would make good merch.
1: <laughs> ah, really, it would. And so then we were trying to tie in Scarlet and Gray for Ohio State. So we were like, Scarlet yeah. Moon. And I think that name was taken by a place in Georgia or something like that. I don't even remember. But that name was already taken. We're like, eh. At the time, we weren't really that big of Ohio State. Like, we weren't intense Ohio State fans anyway, so. Yeah. I mean, we are now, but <laughs> just kidding. There are some people who will, like, paint their houses and their trucks to say Ohio State, and we were like, eh, we're not that intense eh, about it. Maybe not. So we settled on Crimson Moon Farm, and it's got a nice ring to it, and it's not so. Th- and it's for IU. IU colors are cream and crimson. Was Is it? <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know that. <laughs> But so we looked up to see if that name was already taken and nope, it wasn't taken for any farms. But the only thing that popped up was a uh, for those NPR after hours people, (laughs) the passing notes after hours people. It's a spanking club in Chicago. Do you get the name Crimson Moon? (laughs) If you spank your booty enough, you're. Your butt becomes crimson, and it's a crimson moon. And we kind of laughed, and we were thought, you know, that's funny. We'll share a name with a with a spanking club in Chicago.
0: Oh man, that's great. That is uh, my favorite thing you've ever said on this podcast. Uh, pa-
1: yep. How do go. I
0: not? How have I not known this? Do they
1: have T-shirts? I would like one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope it's a little like peach with a handprint on it, like yes. a red handprint on it. That's what I would do. <laughs> so, if they want to contact Crimson Moon Farm for design ideas, we will be more than happy to help Crimson Moon Spanking Club. <laughs> yeah, with their merch collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah, so we have our farm has close ties with the moon. We like the moon. Yeah. We actually have a picture of the blood moon that was that night. Yeah. And it's it's actually a really nice picture. We bought it at a art festival. This guy takes a lot of high def planet, star, space pictures. He's got I'm, I'm assuming some sort of photographic telescope that Is he his t-
0: name Bob Williams. I don't know. Does he have I access, access to the Hubble? <laughs> <laughs> He has 10% of time. Maybe he's making art.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe he's just showing up to art festivals saying, hey, I'm a laid back guy. Want to buy some prints? <laughs> like, heck, yeah, I do. That's cool. Yeah. That's
0: cool that you were able to find that. That's, yeah.
1: Yeah. But that's all I really had about fun facts about the moon. And this was a good space episode.
0: Yeah. I think we dipped our toe in well enough to not sound completely clueless.
1: We definitely have our areas that we know more about. Space is not one of them. <laughs>
0: yeah, we're out of our depth a little bit here, but I feel I feel like I know more now. And I feel like we covered it pretty well.
1: And I like this stuff. I like talking about all the things that we know just a tiny bit about. And then we have to dig a little deeper. And then I'll tell you what, when you told me what you were talking about, yeah. I did. I Googled it right away and I was like, oh, I do know that picture. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. So when you said go look it up, I was thinking to myself, I already did. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So
0: now it's just up to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in this galaxy, on this planet, what do you have going on? Anything fun?
1: Yeah. On August 6th, I'm going to see one of my favorite comics perform at Viler Lane. I'm pretty. Pretty excited that about Oh yeah, that. you
0: know you know Dwight Simmons or uh, <laughs> Neil Meyer or Brian Petrie.
1: This is a real new uh new up and comer. I heard she's oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's maybe a black Asian girl or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Shanda Song, Ever heard of her? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we, uh, cool. we're doing stuff on the farm here. Um meat birds are going to market here soon, going to going this little this little meat bird went to market this little meat bird stayed home
0: <laughs> how have you not you're buried the lead okay what's the biggest thing happening at your farm right now you got barn cats and they're freaking adorable i did get barn cats yeah <laughs> how do you not immediately say you got cats that oh, is the biggest news story you over guys
1: there. <laughs> we got two little kittens And they are funny. Oh, my gosh. They are so cute. They're two little calicos. We've watched all the
0: TikToks, and the kids are very into these cats.
1: Oh, my gosh, yes. (laughs) I love making videos of them. They are adorable. I'm sure there's by the time this airs, there's going to be probably a hundred cat videos (laughs) on there. They are so cute. It's been a really long time since I've had cats, but kittens in particular. Mm. Yeah they just make me so happy. Yes, they they are great. And chickens are doing good. Our hens are going to start laying soon. Our meat birds are going to the freezer here in a couple weeks and alpacas are doing great. They're getting pretty toasty this time of year, so we take the hose to them. Yeah. I also have videos of that. That's pretty funny.
0: Yeah, it's very silly. Like you can tell they're happy, but they're just the goofiest creatures. And so <laughs> it's like it looks like they hate it kind of, but then I don't know. It's like their brains are having a good time, but their bodies are like, we don't know what to do. Well,
1: the thing is, is that they're always fighting each other because each one wants the hose exclusively. And so (laughs) they're shoving each other out of the way, spitting on each other, which I have been collateral damage for that before. That is not fun. (laughs) They'll spit at each other, kick at each other, shove each other out of the way. If they get... The, the big black one in particular, she will neck wrestle the others to try to get them out of the way. Oh, my gosh. They're so funny. And poor little BJ. She's the smallest one. She's the little brown one. She just sits in the back and waits her turn. And I'm, I'm always like, come here, BJ, get you some. And, you know, I'll spray her down. And she does this little shimmy and little buck and kick. And oh, my gosh, it's so funny. Yeah, watch watch those videos. Uh, TikTok, I think I've posted a few or shared a few of the TikTok videos on our Facebook.
0: Yeah. Definitely get on there and look at it, because, I mean, aside from my personal bias, it is, like, (laughs) one of my favorites, because every one of them that comes on is just a joy.
1: Yeah, we we really try to just do joyful, good, clean family. Silly-ass animals. (laughs) Silly-ass animal videos, yeah. I try not to swear in it, and I try not to to do anything too too risque or too scandalous, but... uh can always be helped. I try to. I try to keep it in mind that your kids and my sister's kids could potentially be watching. <laughs> so little kids could be watching well, these.
0: You really messed up because one of the last videos I saw, I got a, a glimpse of your foot in those clogs, and that's just too sexy to be seen by anybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually did notice that, and I was like, oh man. I don't know. This is too cute of a video to not post. So I'm wearing like the most hideous pajama pants I own and slip on clogs that are like rubbery and yeah. They're
0: yeah, they're bad. They're functional. You're they a farmer. Fun- they are
1: functional. They are my slip-on chore shoes and they don't ever leave the farm. That is that is one thing. But yeah, so sorry Sorry if you go watch that video and you see my hideous shoes, but <laughs> I think there's uh, another video that's coming soon of the kitten playing with one of my shoes. Cute. Yeah, she she likes she likes to claw at my shoes for some reason, and the problem is is she sometimes misses and claws the heck out of my ankle. So ah. that's that's not fun. But yeah, what what about you? Besides uh, the August sixth Byler Lane Winery show where I'm going to attend and cheer the loudest, what else you got going on? Yeah, uh,
0: that is. The one that's coming up next, according to the release of this show, so August 6th, I'm very excited about it. I produced the show with my dad. We've done it a few at Byler Lane, and they're always a great time, and um, I'm really excited about the crop of comics that I'm bringing up with me, and it's going to be a great time. And then following that, the very next weekend, I'm going to be in Milwaukee at The Laughing Tap, featuring on August 13th and 14th, and then... September 2nd through 4th is the Limestone Comedy Festival here in Bloomington, and uh, I'm going to be doing feature shows here. I'm so excited it's back. The tagline for it is the best weekend of your life, the greatest weekend of your life. And it's true. It's the greatest weekend. Every time Every time I've gone to this festival, I've had just an incredibly good time. And so it's normally in June, but they obviously didn't have one in 2020 and then for this one they they decided to have it in September which is right around my birthday so it's like a little present to me that limestone's back and I'm very excited they're doing headliner announcements and the comics don't know who the other headliner or you know who the headliners are mm. so we're getting the information at the same time as the public and I'm just like who's going to be next <laughs> who's coming who's coming oh that's so cool yeah, so I'm very fired up about that. So that's that's what I'm gonna be doing. And uh, hopefully you can make it out to one of those shows if you're in the area. Where is
1: Limelight yeah.
0: located? Oh, Limestone is Limestone, in Bloom. Sorry. yeah, it's in bloomington, and they they oh. have it at at a bunch of there are five different venues in downtown Bloomington that they use, and they're all really walking distance together. and it's just a ton of shows over three days and a lot of partying, some live band karaoke. That's after cool. parties. It's a yeah, it's a good time. So, I'm very excited about that. So, I've got some good stuff coming up on the horizon. I'm also in the the Bloomington Comedy Festival, which is the summer competition that we do the local comics in Bloomington do that, and I just got into round 3. So, that'll be in uh late July. I don't know my date yet for when round 3 will be. So, hopefully by the time this comes out, I will have moved on to the semifinals.
1: Awesome. Very cool. Fingers crossed.
0: So, yeah, lots of good things. I'm I'm happy to be out and doing it and doing more comedy and leaving my house. Yeah. Big fan of leaving my house. <laughs> <laughs> like I like it a lot. So, yeah, you can find me shanda.sung at TikTok and on Twitter and on Instagram and Shanda Sung on Facebook. And you can find you guys all the same thing on Crimson Moon Farm. Mm -hmm. And then you can find the podcast on all of those also. Passing notes with Ashley and Shanda on Facebook and Instagram and just those two because I can't handle
1: anymore. We are already everywhere. <laughs>
0: I, have, I have a lot. I have a, so many accounts. It's ridiculous. I know. So, yeah, find us on those, two, Or we have a Gmail, too, thepassingnotespodcast at gmail.com. And so we want to hear your feedback. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use. And then rate and review because that helps us out, too. And we can keep bringing episodes to you. So, Thank you so much for listening to the space episode. Hopefully we didn't trip you out too bad.
1: <laughs> and every week we want to thank my husband, Tyler, for helping us edit, record, produce this show. We want to thank you guys for listening. For Shanda Sung, I am Ashley Morgan. We'll catch you next time on Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. That's what I was going for.
0: I don't know what I was doing. It was like a Oh, that's
1: Jeopardy! I was doing Jeopardy! Is that what you were doing? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs)